0: We continue our series on the indomitable spirit of water walkers. Indomitable means not easily discouraged or defeated. This morning, my title is Meet Me in the Winner's Circle. Someone say, Meet Me in the Winner's Circle. Zechariah 8 and 6, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. This is what the Lord says. Someone say, The Lord. All this may seem impossible to you now, a small and discouraged people. But do you not think or do you think this is impossible for me, says the Lord Almighty. And from 1 John 5 and 4, the New Testament, whatever is born of God is victorious. Someone say victorious. Victorious over the world, Jennifer. And this is the victory that conquers the world, even our faith. Someone say our faith. Meet me in the winner's circle is what God says to you this morning. Before I pray over that and say something, this comes from I love to watch horse racing. I don't bet my parents wouldn't let me. That's fine. You do what you want to do. But all the time, trainers and horse breeders and jockeys will say it was said to Secretariat, it was said to some of the great champions. You, before they ran out on the race, you are a great champion. When you run, the ground shakes and the sky opens up, and mere mortals part. You part the way to victory. And then, when you get victory, meet me in the winner's circle and I will put a blanket of flowers on your back. The Lord God says to you this morning, Meet me in the winner's circle. Meet me in the winner's circle. God wants you to win this morning. God wants you to triumph in Christ. God is not here this morning with a message of defeat, but he is here this morning to say, I have an imperishable crown that I will give you one day. But for today, meet me in the winner's circle because when you do your thing, Tanya, when you run this race, the ground shakes underneath you and mere mortals part as you continue to run the good race that Jesus Christ. Gave you how many believe he's saying to you today, Meet me in the winner's circle. Would you give him a shout of praise this morning, <laughs> Father? We thank you for your word this morning. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. This is your room, this is Jesus's church. We welcome you, sir. Speak, help me to be mindful of my time and to bring forth what is needed. Speak to my brothers and sisters, you love them more than me. I have sensed your great love the last three days for them. Holy Spirit, engage them, encourage them, challenge them that you want to meet them in the winner's circle. In Jesus' name and everyone said, amen. This morning, God wants to strengthen your heart today, Monica. The center of your very belief system, Josh, in his power to cause you to triumph Heaven wants you to win. In fact, I've studied, and my closing will be a new red carpet, but my closing is based on stories I've heard of people that have gone to heaven that have proven true and authentic, and also upon the book of Hebrews. But in so many accounts of heaven, Jesse Deplanis says himself, when he saw a vision, the apostle Paul saw a vision of heaven, he said daily angels were flying into the throne room shouting out, there's victory in Cleveland Tennessee today a prodigal just came home angels are coming from Minnesota and saying there's victory we just got victory the church of Jesus Christ prayed and an addict just got off of their drugs there's victory today angels are reporting victories that you're going to see and when you see those victories or you saw them in your past just know that angels ran into the The throne room, high-fiving and singing and shouting, glory to the Lamb of God, for there is victory on planet Earth today. Someone give him praise. The God who hovered over the universe in Genesis 1 is the same God who's hovering over that which is unfinished in your life. You better take out your ticket because scientists have proven what ticket, Pastor, I'll get to you. Scientists have proven that the world. The universe is still expanding. God said, let there be and there was. Obviously, God is still speaking because scientists have proven that the universe is ever expanding. Which reminds me to remind you, don't stop where you're at. Don't get off the train of God's goodness. Because if you're not yet where he said you would be and you've not seen the things he said you would see, then say... I am staying with this thing because he's still speaking over me and my people and my family. And we are expanding into glory. Somebody give him praise. Meet me in the winter circle. For Paul said, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. That's just a moment. In the winter circle, God reminds you this morning, he will cause anything to serve your purpose. Anything in your life will serve his purpose. God says to a people in Zechariah, Zechariah's name means the Lord remembers. And I love the way God uses names. And these people living in Israel were trying to rebuild. They were trying to rebuild their city that was overcome with thieves. People were breaking into McDonald's. Come on now, somebody. People were overthrowing the restaurants. People were breaking into stores. Let me bring it into 2022 for you. And they were doing all of this and Israel was discouraged because what they had been was not what they were. And they were believing that God had not forgotten them. And Zechariah, whose very name means God remembers, appears to these people to say the God of all grace, the God of all covenant has not forgotten you. Can you say amen? And he uses the word. Do you think this is impossible, says the Lord? That word is pala in the Hebrew. It's also rendered miraculous. Some of your translations will say marvelous. It's a magnificent word, rich in association. It's the name for the Messiah. His name shall be called wonderful. Someone say wonderful. That means he who performs difficult tasks. Marvelous. This morning, nothing is too little for God's heart in your life and nothing is too big can I get an amen and the Lord is saying will it not be marvelous or will it not be too hard for me to do this same palah he used with Abraham when Sarah laughed that's a message coming later and another day when Sarah laughed when God said your husband is hundred and he's really old and you're super old but I'm going to give you a son and when Sarah laughed God said are you saying to me come on are you saying to me is anything too hard. It's the same Pala used to Jeremiah when God said, buy the field in the land, which was one of our water walkers. And he said, Jeremiah, is anything too hard for me? I remember standing out on that property over there when my husband was trying to convince us to buy this and he wanted me to war. And I heard that song. Nothing is too difficult for thee. The Lord would ask you and I this morning, is anything too hard? And we say no, come on, somebody, give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Come on, give him a better shout than that. Hallelujah. God says over you this morning and over Israel, I am zealous with great zeal. Zeal is the word in Hebrew, kana, and it's not Jealousy. Because God can't be jealous. Everything you have came from him in the beginning. He can't be jealous. Everything is ultimately his. But zeal speaks of his intensity. That he brings everything with himself. When God comes to heal you, he comes with intensity. You think I'm a little dramatic? Oh, you ought to see God at work. He brings his passion. He comes and says, I am intense over what I promised you. I'm intense over what you will be. I am intense over your beautiful life. I'm going to tell you this morning, we did not get to where we are by ourselves. But I've not come this far to only come this far. I'm going forward. Can I get an amen? God told Joshua, you have never been this way before, so I'm going to help you. The Spirit of the Lord moved upon me. Good good morning to my beautiful Dana, another Hope House graduate. This is my banner day. Oh, my word, going to hug you. Just came in, hallelujah. He said to Joshua, you have never been this way before. I'm going to show you. I feel this morning there's people like me. Hello. Hello. I've never been this way before. I've never been on this path. I've never been in this responsibility. And the Lord said, don't you worry, son. Don't you worry, daughter. I'm coming with intensity to show you the path before you. I will shine my light. I will tell you when to go left and when to go right. I will do what only I can do. You don't think it's on your shoulders. Don't think you've got to do it all. For I am the Lord and there is no one like me. I will show you what I can do, and I will give you wisdom. Hallelujah. Somebody give him praise. Come on, give him a big shout of praise. You know, sometimes you'll say to someone, Jerry, you just outdid yourself. The way you were baptized a few weeks, you just outdid yourself. That was the best baptism ever. You say that to your child, you just outdid yourself. You will never say to God, you just outdid yourself. Because he will outdo himself the next time. If you thought the miracle he did in years previous in your life was something, wait till what you see what he will do now. If you thought the deliverances he worked, if you thought the things he did, wait till you see what he will do now. In the New Living Translation, Isaiah 43 often gets quotes, but the New Living Translation brings a little different poetic picture to it. And it said, I am the Lord. I am your creator and king. I'm the one who opened up the waters and made a dry path through the sea. I called the mighty army of Egypt with all of its horses, and I drew them beneath the waves, and they drowned like a smoking candle wick, says the Lord. And you're like, yay, God, we'll just face it. He goes, wait, 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 wait. Then he says, but forget all that. Someone say, forget all that. It doesn't mean don't remember all the good things. Of course we encourage that. But he goes on to say, it is nothing compared to what I am going to do. For I, the Lord, come on, give him a shout of praise for it. For I, the Lord, am going to do something new. See, it's already begun, says the Lord. Everyone has prophesied revival. I've done it six times. Perry Stone prophesied it. Pastor Todd's prophesied it. Jane Alders prophesied it. Even Michael Cook, his first sermon ever, prophesied it. But the one who really says it, I, the Lord, say, I am doing a new thing. It has already begun. I am making a way. Someone give him a shout of praise. So what these people were saying and what some of us are saying in this room this morning, will God honor his promise? Will he? Will he raise us up? That's what this remnant was saying. And that's a question that might be asked today. Will God honor his promise to you? I am the Lord. Thus saith the Lord is eight times in one chapter of Zechariah. Eight times. Zechariah is the most quoted book in the book of Revelation. It ties in. But eight times in one chapter, he says, thus saith the Lord. I need your attention. These people are a lot like us in the middle of life, in the middle of your task, in the middle, in your waiting room, moving forward. But Joel, come help me. If you stand on my left side, Tina, come stand on my right side. But despair and fear were bullying them. Michael, come stand back there. Courtney, go stand over there. You can tell I'm a bossy mom. Give me a hand clap. Of- None of them knew this was coming. In the middle of the life, come close to me. Very close. I mean, right shoulder, shoulder. No offense. Despair and fear are bullies. And they're a lot more pushier than hope and peace. It's like a playground bully. They stalk you. They wake you up. They follow you. Despair and fear are bullies. You see, the thief comes to steal. The thief comes to steal your hope, to kill your peace, and destroy your confidence. But ultimately, the thief, which is Satan... Does not want what you have. He wants you. He wants you. No good thief says, I'll be at your house at 2.35 in the middle of the night. I'm coming to steal everything you have. I'll be there. Leave the front door unlocked. Signed, your loving thief. Come on, somebody. They want to take you by surprise. They want to come when you're not expecting it. They want to come because the thief gives no warning. Satan is a life taker. But Jesus is a life giver. Jesus said, I have come to give you and give it more abundantly. You see, Christ is a life giver and any voice that takes life out of your heart is not the voice of God. Any words that take Hope out of your life is not the voice of God. It's not from God. Christ is a life giver. He gives life. He gives hope. He gives peace. He gives courage. He gives grace. Hope and peace are are not as pushy as fear and worry. But when you call on King Jesus and you bring up hope and peace, come on up. They get in and push out these two right in the middle. They get right shoulder to shoulder. They come close, kids. I'm your mama. Come close. They come close. And hope and peace is different. It's not pushy. Mm. But when hope and peace come, boy, I feel you, Lord. When they come, they are closer than a friend, closer than a brother. They will stick to you like glue. But at some point, you've got to say to discouragement and despair and fear, I dismiss you. Thank all of them. Give them a hand. Come on. Thank all of them. Thank you, guys get that vision, but listen to me this morning. When you can't get them to go, you call on King Jesus and you say, King Jesus, send despair back to the river and drown it like you drowned the Egyptians in your glory. God, send fear tumbling off the wall like you did Jericho and break down the strongholds of fear to the shout of hallelujah. Won't the Lord do it? Lord, send discouragement running. Send it like the psalmist said. I love this. My husband, was a hunter and I've still got bows and arrows and guns everywhere so don't be coming to my house I have 17,000 ways I can take you down (laughs) and I know how to use them well maybe not the bow pastor Tim might teach me that but the psalmist said when your enemies God see you pick up your bow and arrow and look their way they begin to run like a scolded dog that's the fear that the enemy has of the power of the most high God you need to pick up your praise and say Lord I can't see you with your bow and your arrow but the enemy can so I'm calling on you to shoot that bow and bring victory for me somebody give him a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Zechariah goes on to say in verse 13 of chapter 8 among the other nations Israel has become a symbol. Everyone say symbol. This is so good. Don't miss it. Of a cursed nation. But no longer says the Lord I will rescue you and make you a symbol and a source of blessing. So don't be afraid. He goes on to say be strong and get on with it. Look at your neighbor say get on with it. I love that he can talk Tennessee, and aren't you? Just get on with it. Some translations say finish the task for you theologians. You can say that, but I'm going to go with the NLT. Get on with it. What he's saying is among the nations, Israel, you've become the symbol of cursed. This is hard to miss. This is what God doesn't bluff. This is what they're saying about you, Israel, because they're in this moment where promises are unfilled. Israel is cursed. Israel is the symbol of curse, but the Lord says, but no longer I will rescue you. A symbol is a thing that represents something else. The American flag represents United States. Um, our anthem rec- rec- uh, represents our symbols, symbolic, I'll get it right here. The United States, if I come in here with a limousine, you know that is a symbol for I got some extra money. Come on, somebody, ain't going to spend it. If you're at the gas tank filling up, that means you're really blessed. Come on, somebody. It's a symbol For prosperity. You see they became their picture in the dictionary. Have you ever felt this way? Was the picture for cursed. Israel on the news ticker of Fox News or whatever network you might watch. At the bottom Israel is cursed. You see there was a picture in the dictionary. They carried this weight. They carried this weight. And maybe this morning you feel like you are a symbol for not enough. You are a symbol for have failed. You are a symbol for insecure. Symbol represents something else. You're a symbol for intimidated. When your people talk about you, you are a symbol for temptation that you failed in. You are a symbol that you don't have a plan for your life. You're a symbol for heartbreak. Oh, yes, I had someone come to me. You've been through so much, and they cried so hard, I went home and cried. And then the Lord said, who am I to listen to that person, and who are you? Come on, somebody. But people try to label you. A symbol for regrets. A symbol for inconsistency but God has a way he says Israel and he says to you this morning I'm gonna flip this thing you may have been a symbol for this but now you're gonna be synonymous for something fantastic and awesome come on you're gonna be a symbol for blessing so when they Google blessing your pictures gonna pop up come on somebody when you're reticulating activating system in your brain mine is pretty powerful it can match up things I can't remember facts but my brain works strong in that way when your name comes up people are going to say yeah he was a symbol for failure but now he's a symbol for success they will say of you she was a symbol for heartbreak but now she is a symbol for she has been healed her wounds are gone but Jesus left her scars so others would say how magnificent is the king of glory that he will heal the wounds but leave the scars somebody give him praise in this house if you were a symbol for regrets, you will now become the symbol. I'm trading my sorrow, my ashes. I'm trading them for the glory of today. You were a symbol for inconsistency. Yeah, Johnny's been inconsistent his whole life. He'll always be inconsistent is what your Aunt Bertha said. And Jesus said, Aunt Bertha, go sit down in your rocking chair. Come on. Because I'm going to make him a symbol of one who has built his house on the rock, and he will be unwavered, and he will be undaunted in courage. Somebody give a shout to the king. You may have been a symbol of insecurity, but you'll be a symbol of confidence. You may be a symbol of intimidation, but you will then become a symbol. He is As bold as a lion. What happened to her? She was so timid. Well God got a hold of her. And she is no longer a symbol of temptation. She is no longer a symbol. For no plans in her life. For I know the plans I have for you. Says the Lord. I will make you a symbol of blessing. I will make you an overcomer. A winner and triumphant in Jesus Christ. Someone give him a shout of praise in this house. I'm going to make you a source of blessing. Not just a blessing but a source. As my beloved husband would say, that means you're going to have enough for yourself and for others. I will make you a simple So when people think about you, they won't put you in that category because I flipped it. I know what people are saying about you. The Lord would say through Zechariah 8, the Lord would say to us, but they don't know what I'm saying about you. I know what they're thinking about you, but I know what I'm thinking about you. I know what they're Googling. I know what they're saying. I help people clean up their record. And sometimes it's just more than they can handle, the times of addiction. But what I always say is you've got a name written in the land book of life if that restaurant won't hire you with a felony we know another one that will if that place won't bring you in with your past we know another one that will cause you're gonna be a symbol for the book of Habakkuk 3 the Lord God has made my feet like the feet of a tear he has made me strong to tread upon the high places of trouble suffering and responsibility I shall not be moved someone give him praise this morning hallelujah hallelujah Look at your neighbor and say, meet me in the winner's circle. He said, do not fear. Do not be discouraged. Be strong. This is what the Lord says. And here is the thing. God is putting it on himself. There's an old adage that says, you can hang your hat on that. One thing you'll hear me say if I'm your pastor, don't hang your hat on that. Because sometimes we want to hang our hat being a ministry 40 years, pastor 32 years, 33 now. People would say, I just read this book. This is going to change my life. I just heard that sermon. This is going to change my life. And they get on a soapbox. And what I always say, that was a moment. That was a part of your journey. But what happens is if I think this book has changed my life, because a lot of books have. But if I hang my hat on that, if I hang my hat on a theory If I hang my hat on this thing, this is it. That's going to take me over the top. Then when it doesn't, when it gets me here but it doesn't take me there, my heart gets deferred, my hope gets sick, and all of a sudden I thought, well, I thought this was it. I thought going to school was it. I thought marrying her was it. I thought this was it. But Jesus says in Psalms 62 and 5, let your expectation be of Jesus. Celebrate the part of the process. But when you go to hang your hat on something, hang it on the Son of the Almighty God. He's in charge of the process. He gave that book to somebody. He gave that sermon. But at the end of the day, you better say, Jesus, my expectation is of you. You're the life giver. You're the dream fulfiller. You're the body healer. You're the restorer of broken relationships. All these things been a step. But at the end of the day, the winner circle belongs to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and forever he shall reign somebody give him a shout of praise hallelujah meet me in the winner's circle I've got some time to travel but as usual Josh come help me some time to travel so don't think you got five more minutes but I'm way past over the half be encouraged my pilgrims (laughs) I love Isaiah 40 and I've often referred to it because um, I think we have to live it one line at a time. A great theologian GK that i that read a lot of his stuff talks about living that one line at a time. It means that sometimes you you soar. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings. Everyone say soaring. Mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be they shall walk and but sometimes we've got to forget that happens line by line. You're in know, a seasons of soaring, it's so great. You know, soaring is awesome. The wind is in your tails and your hair, whatever, your car. You touch something, it just works, you know. Man, I'm having a day, I tell you. You're soaring. You won't tell everybody how you're soaring, but you forget sometimes you're talking to runners and walkers. Running is lived one line at a time, too. Running is hard. I'll race walk on the greenway. I'm pretty fast. I've had men that I did not know, not because of my appearance, because I'm ugly out there, uh, try to catch me. Me and my age. He said, I've been following you for two miles. How with short legs do you walk that fast? And I'll say, because I knew you were behind me. You weren't going to get me. How about, how's that sound for you? <laughs> but at any rate, running is hard. When I pass runners on the greenway, Laura, Britt, I've heard couples fight with each other. They're trying to talk while they're running bullets of perspiration. I mean, they're running. Like, <laughs> and i heard to say, I can't answer that question right now. Stop it. You know, and I just laugh because I've got earbuds in, but they don't know I can hear them. Running is hard work. Running is when you're at the job and they're putting double on you and no one's carrying your shift. Anybody running? Run is when it's just tough. It's tough. You're having to work at both ends of the spectrum. Running is hard. But the really tough one is the one I want to talk about these people in Israel and us this morning and the couple of stories that I want to share. That walking and not, walking and not fainting. That's when you just feel like you're just surviving. Usually if you're in that season, you're sitting by someone that's soaring. You know, they're like, I mean, they're coming in with their dance on, their praise on. You wonder, do they just levitate out of their car? (laughs) Now, let me tell you, I'm a dramatic praiser, but don't think that's because I've had some victory. I've come to know the king, and I'm desperate for him. That's bottom line. But it's those people facing impossible, maybe heartbreak, maybe health challenges. They're moving forward, but they're very crawling. But the Lord says to them, do you think this is impossible? Well, for me, I know where you are. I know at night sometimes you lay in bed, the Lord would say, and you think, I don't even know how I survived today, and I see nothing going forward. I'm disgusted with everything around me. It's not like you're in sin, you may be, and that may be you, but you're overwhelmed. And You just say, I don't see, I wanna get out of this. And God, I'm not doing anything for you, I'm just surviving. God says, meet me in the winner's circle. I had one of those moments in, Dalton, Georgia, on January 17th, 1984. And I'd gone through three weeks of inner healing. That's for another time, another place. But one afternoon, I didn't know how close I was to God doing everything He had promised. I didn't even know what He'd promised, but He'd said, Meet me in the winter circle. He said, I want to do the impossible in your life. And I just relived this with a friend Catherine Lee who's been on Oprah and today's show. Some friends we met, we'd heard of each other, and I was telling her this story, and she's not spirit-filled, but she just couldn't stop crying. Not going to tell you that whole story, but, but she knew this man who spoke into my life, and I was so weary. And I told my group of friends living at 740 Walker Street by Lee University, I said, I can't go on anymore. God has done all this, but I don't know where He's leading me. I don't know where this path is. I mean, He's gutted my insides, He's healed me, but here I am. What is God doing? And my dear friend, Pastor Perry Kite, who's in heaven, just broke through with a spirit field, so he broke through with a message in tongues, and he interpreted. And the Lord said to me, I know you are so weary, but at a time that you think not, I'm going to make my will known to you. That's a word for someone this morning. At a time you think not, a time you don't expect, God's going to make his will known to you. That night, my whole life was changed, which is another story. This morning, God says, meet me in the winter circle. You're trying to figure some things out, but God says, at a time you don't expect, I'm going to make my will known. Can you say Amen. Karen Wheaton is an awesome woman of God, a singer, a prophet, a prophetess, a prophetess, um, a preacher. I've known Karen for a long time. She's ministered here many times. We've traveled together, we've preached in the same conferences together. Her daughter, Lindsay, after she'd been married, her daughter, who she'd raised, I mean, if you raised by Karen Wheaton, you nothing's know going to go wrong with you, right? Karen is full of the Holy Ghost of power, a prayer warrior, knows the Bible back and front. But her daughter, Lindsay, decided she'd been leading a ministry at the ramp that she's going to leave her husband. She left him, went with another man. I think they had a platonic relationship, I don't remember, but she left. Karen's heart. I didn't know any of this, but I was with Karen in a conference. I could just feel her pain. But her ministry was so full of depth. She prayed for several years. That husband prayed. The children Lindsay had left prayed. Then one day, God got a hold of Lindsay in the pig pen. And he said, go home. And her husband Casey's living room with tears streaming down her face, asking against all hope to be forgiven and given a second chance. Their oldest child stood up and tore the divorce papers up. And God, through Casey said, a powerful word. I want to say it just right. He said, what you have done, I will never use over you. I will never bring it back up. You have absolute and unconditional forgiveness those two people went on to birth many children and these many years 16 years they've been raised and Lindsay has a book she'll be speaking at queen for a day get your people there because the way home and this is Lindsay and casey one more picture austin and there they are give jesus a hand clap of praise to karen he said do you not think i can do the impossible i can to you you see Years ago, I read a book, and I shared an illustration from that book, and it became Pastor Hank's favorite illustration. So he shared a lot more than I did, but it doesn't matter who found it. We often traded things. That's another story. But this man of God was caught up in the spirit when he observed a ball game, and it was the Lord's team against the devil's team. The Lord's team was at bat, and the score was 0-0. Zero to zero. It was the bottom of the ninth inning with two outs. Love came up to bouts, swung at the first pitch, and it hit a single because love never fails. The next batter was faith, who also got a single, because faith works with love. The next batter was godly wisdom. Satan wound up and threw the pitch. Ball one, Three more pitches, and godly wisdom went out walking. Because godly wisdom never reaches out to the enemy's bad pitches. Can I get an amen? And it was still tied. The bases were loaded. The Lord then turned to the man of God in this dream. And he said, I'm bringing my star player. And all of a sudden, a player stepped up. No one recognized him. He didn't look like anything or anybody. He was unimpressive. He was small. He sure didn't look like he could accomplish. But Satan's team relaxed. And he wound up. And threw his pitch, thinking this game was won. To everyone's surprise this batter hit the ball harder than anyone had ever seen it went way out but Satan thought this is okay in the center field I have the prince of the power of air and he will catch it but it went right through the prince of the power of air's glove hitting him in the head and knocking him in the ground the Lord's team won because the fourth player was grace the grace of God will always accomplish what nothing else can accomplish when the Lord asked the man do you know why love faith and godly wisdom didn't win he said why Lord he said because if your love your faith and your wisdom wins you'll think you did it by yourself love faith and wisdom will get you on base but only my grace will carry you all the way home somebody give the Lord a shout of praise The revival that the Lord is bringing in the last days. It will be an understanding and a deep revelation of the work of grace like we have never seen before. If God's not curled your hair or offended our religious hearts. He is bracing to offend all of us with his divine grace to bring the prodigals home. Somebody give him a shout of praise. Come on give him one big shout. Hang with me. A young man named Josh Taylor and Allie got married in about 2006. Happens to be my nephew and his wife. They're just two wonderful young people celebrating the awesomeness of who they are. Going through life with great expectations. And then Allie is diagnosed with the late stages of breast cancer. Their world was rocked. I remember getting the phone call from my sister. She was headed to a cruise. They got off the cruise and they drove back home. Allie was so precious. She went through chemo and radiation. They fought like crazy. We had a family reunion up in Gatlinburg. And we didn't know Allie wrote about it in her book. That She thought we were all taking so many pictures of her because she was going to die. And um, she went through severe um, mastectomy, chemo, radiation. This was bad enough. And we'll leave that picture there. But then the doctor gave them the fatal news that the chemo and the radiation had burned up. There was no possibility she would ever have children. Their hearts were crushed again. They began to talk to lawyers about adoption, and they went through a well-documented process. Their story's been featured on TLC and all the things I mentioned before. This was well-documented. But faith starts out before faith knows how it's going to work out. And even me, I was saying, my daddy was saying, My God, they're all over on the internet claiming that this baby is theirs because they had such faith. They freaked us out with their faith. They spent so much time with this young lady who chose them out of all, and she'd already given up several children. Her life was in great distress. They showed her love and grace. They removed her shame. They walked her through everything. They were Jesus with skin on with this mom and this baby They went to the hospital. They were in there when the baby was born. The nurses and the doctors loved Josh and Allie so much. They created a room for them. And they took this baby that they were going to call Genevieve. And gave them their own room. And Genevieve stayed in that room for 24 hours. But on the second day. The mama after all this long journey documented. Said I've changed my mind. And you can't have this baby. Josh and Allie died a thousand deaths. They had already had baby showers. They would already built a room. None of that mattered. Their love was so invested. Prayer began to go across the nation. I remember in my study, because I'm one of so many, a little person, on my face crying out when I got the text, pray now. Egg looked like it was on their face. And they called him in to say a final goodbye. My sweet little nephew, Josh, my beautiful niece by marriage, Allie. Walked to the end of the bed of that mother, holding that baby that they loved so much, tears streaming down their face. They had no family in the room with them, just the girls' family who loved Josh and Allie. and they were going to say their final goodbye, die in a thousand deaths. Josh, my little nephew, heard the Holy Spirit whisper in his ears, "Pray a prayer of blessing over her. Don't walk out. Pray a prayer of blessing." So he said, would it be okay? And he's just bawling. If we just pray a prayer of blessing, just a simple blessing. This is probably the last time we'll ever see her, but we want to pray of her. They knelt down at the end of the bed. They humbled themselves, tears flowing. Josh began to praise the Lord and thank him for bringing this mama and this baby into his life. He prayed, Lord, I pray you would genuinely care for this baby that we've called Genevieve all the days of her life if we never see her again Lord keep her and he started quoting the scripture and, and bless her mama their tears just flowing with humility they opened their eyes that mom with tears going down her face said while you were praying Mr. Josh God said this baby is yours and you are to take this baby can someone give God a shout of praise can God be given praise the God of the impossible is your God and here is Allie and baby Genevieve who now is that many years old who has been raised up in the kingdom to be a mighty warrior she just received Jesus was baptized. I'm telling you God can turn it in the midnight hour. God can turn any situation if we humble ourselves. Meet us in the winner's circle. And they went on and they'll share their story. They've been unrattled. But they went on to have two miraculous birth babies that the doctor said they would never have. And adopted another child from that mama. Them and their four babies are going to be in here two weeks from today. Make sure you get here. Someone give Jesus a hand clap of praise. I've got eight minutes. Hang with me. Do you think it's impossible for me? Meet me in the winter circle. God told Jesus, meet me in the winter circle. You know I love Saving Private Ryan. I love D-Day. I have preached about that a lot. But I love how it looked like nothing had happened when our allies landed on that little bitty piece of ground. Chris and Susan have stood there. Others my dad has too. They went in and invaded, and it didn't look like anything had changed. A swastika still flew over Adolf Hitler. Thousands of Jews still imprisoned in the Holocaust. But they had cracked the door open when our allies, our soldiers, got their feet on Normandy, went through hell to get there. They cracked the day the door open and the light came in. Hitler didn't know it, but it was only a matter of time that victory came to Paris and victory came to France and victory came to Europe and victory came to Japan and the Pacific and the soldiers came home. And today you don't speak German and you're part of a great United States of America because someone cracked the door open and said, this is not too hard for us. Give our veterans... A a hand because it's worthy but between that first shot and the last step there was a lot of matter of time of that war shutting down there was another woman who gave birth to a son a male child who was destined to rule the nations and god said meet me in the winter circle jesus i think sometimes in jesus life he was soaring on the mount transfigure he was in that season of soaring but god was saying i'm the god of the impossibility but then he wept over jerusalem he was frustrated with the religious He got turned away from people, but he kept running. He did not turn aside from the course, even when he had to run uphill. Brothers and sisters, you must be like Christ and keep on running, because the season is going to change. Can I get an amen? He wasn't running, and he was not soaring when he carried the cross up Golgotha's hill. When it was placed on his bruised back, a young man, he stumbled underneath the load. But sometimes I believe... God says to you and I, I know you're barely walking. I know your heart is hurting. But when you say, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, I believe that God prizes our walking even more than our running and our soaring when he sees you not giving up, when he sees you going forward. And I know God said, that's my son. And after Jesus was crucified and resurrected, just a tomb was moved, a stone over the tomb, just a little light. Caesar still didn't know Jesus' name. The religious were still in charge. Pilate was still there. But the world did not know that the kingdom of darkness had just been shaken. And it was only a matter of time. Every time you engage in the battle. Every time you resist sin. Every time you give a cup of cold water to someone in his name. God says, meet me in the winner's circle. The fruit is coming. The victory is coming it's only a matter of time give him a shout of praise come on now if you allow I will do my closing illustration the ultimate winner's circle the ultimate red carpet planned from the foundations of the world for the bible says before the lamb the lamb was slain before the foundations of the world it was already chosen that Jesus would give us life God knows everything. You think about events you've put on and the more time you have to plan how magnificent it is. Well, you can throw a pretty good party overnight, but if you have six months, it's pretty dramatic. Heaven had had thousands of years to prepare for Christ Jesus' homegoing, for him to come back. You know, have you ever been in an excitement room where chatter is so loud, you can just feel the excitement in the air like your favorite college football? Go Vols, anyway. But you're there, and you can just hear in the stands, and the band is warming up. Good old. Yeah, okay, you Georgia fans just taking on home, you Alabama people. Or maybe you're seeing your grandchild perform, or you're going to a concert you always wanted to see. It's electrifying. You almost cut the atmosphere. The buzz is going on. You just hear a bunch of chatter, 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 chatter. People talking. Well, this day, heaven prepared for the coming, uh, homecoming of Jesus, the Son of Glory. Jesus, the Lamb of God. Heaven expected him. My husband and I learned from people that had gone to heaven and come back that heaven expects us. My husband doesn't miss me. He expects me. In heaven's time, I'll be there by dinner. Get that roast going, baby. One day we're all coming, amen? Not today, as far as we know. (laughs) Thirty-three years Jesus had walked the earth. 11,748 days he had been away from heaven. 281,952 hours. 1,691,700 minutes he had been gone. Philippians 2 said he being in the very nature of God humbled himself as a slave and he put on humanity and he appeared as a baby and he walked on earth when he could move freely through heaven this Jesus the bible said after he was resurrected he ascended on high and he led captivity captive if you went into that throne room based upon the book of hebrews i will not read all those scriptures Look me up. Check me. And all the stories I've heard that my sweet Joni has sent me of people that went to heaven and came back. I know there was a loud chatter. Because that's what happened when someone goes home. My husband arrived home. They were cheering. Hundreds that he'd won to the Lord were at the gate. Prophets and apostles were cheering. His parents were excited. My mom, my grandmother. Heaven will cheer for you someday. But as he comes in. The end of the hallway, if it were, for our human minds. And the chatter is so loud, the excitement's going crazy. As he comes walking, Adam and Eve might have been the first one to say, There he comes. He is the seed that crushed the enemy that God told us about in the garden. He is Jehovah's sin canoe. He is our righteousness. He has removed our shame forever. The next man may have been Abraham and said, there he is. There's Jesus, my Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He was the ram caught in the thicket and he saved my boy Isaac and gave him back to me. That is my provider. King David might have seen him coming and started to sing, all hail King Jesus, all hail Emmanuel, King of kings and Lord of lords and then I think Carmen was right in his song Lazarus that King David just got up and said I can't hold this anymore and he started to dance and began to sing thou O Lord are a shield about me you are the glory and the lifter of my head Ezekiel saw him and said there he is I saw him as a wheel in the middle of the wheel he is Jehovah Shama he was present with me when I was with the captives at Kabar and he's kept me and there he is Daniel said there's the one who kept the hungry lions from eating me there he is Jehovah Nissi he is my banner he is my protector if he is for me he's more than the world against me and then John the Baptist said behold the Lamb of God who did what he said he would do and he took away the sins of the He's Jehovah Makadesh. My sanctification. Give him a praise. Give him a praise. Go ahead and stand. But then the room grew quiet. This is tender to me. The room grew really quiet because Jesus stops to talk to a man. People know who he is, but they think that's who stopped him. Who stopped him was his stepdad, Joseph. Because Joseph wasn't at the cross. Most historians are convinced he died after the birth of the other children. Can you imagine being the son of God? And you have to live without a dad. He knows all about his dad, but Joseph taught him carpentry. Joseph taught him how to live. Joseph believed the angel when the angel said, Mary has not been unfaithful. This child is from God, Joseph. Joseph believed it. Joseph believed and went to Egypt when evil Herod was trying to kill this faithful man. But Jesus, can you imagine when God says you can't raise your own father? I'm taking him home. I believe in that moment, heaven's soul and embrace. For the Son of God and the Son of Man. Embrace the man that took him in. I love you, Joseph. Thank you. Hebrews 6 and 18 says, God is not unjust to forget your labor of love. But he will reward you. Sacrifice gets the Lord's attention. And I believe all the sacrifices in this dramatic portrayal I'm giving you this morning stopped Jesus when he saw Joseph and he held him. He probably whispered, Joseph, Abba, wouldn't let me bring you back. I know, son. I know, son. I've been up here preparing a place for you. I know you had to walk the cross without your daddy. But I knew Abba would be with you Uh, and I believe in that moment Joseph stood back and said your name to me is Jehovah Shalom because you are my peace. I want to tell you in heaven you are going to be greeted by people that you sacrificed for. People that did you didn't even knew, knew what you did. And Jesus is going to say to you well done my faithful. Well done my children. Well done my good people because I the Lord am for you. Give Jesus of praise, and I will try to meet this, bring it to an end. Jesus, who has broken down every wall and brought our peace, then again the room grew silent. <laughs> Help me, Holy Spirit. The throne of God is described as thunder and lightning underneath His feet. Jesse see, Plata saw when God just moved his hand, one finger, and angels went up against the wall because his power was so great. His throne is described in an emerald and sapphire and rubies and a, a glory that shines out that no one has ever seen. And all of a sudden the throne becomes silent and all heaven gets quiet. Jesus walks up to the mercy seat in front of the throne and he pours out his blood. You see... The blood of bulls and goats and animals were shed for years. But the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, Jesus entered in one time and poured his own blood on the mercy seat of God. So many years, so many lambs have been offered up. But nothing could take the bitter cup of sin till one spotless lamb in the form of man gave his life for you and I. His blood was precious blood and his blood is still flowing from Calvary. Just wave a hand and then... The voice came from the throne room, Abba, you are my beloved son you are welcomed home you took the sin of humanity you did for my people what i knew you would do you did not fail in one of your promises but you gave your life so i say to you today come and sit at my right hand and i will make the earth your footstool my lord said unto my lord sit at my right hand until all the earth bows down to you and when god did that, that, I believe one angel got a cue and began to sing majesty. Worship his majesty unto Jesus. Be all glory and honor and praise. Majesty kingdom authority. Born in a manger. Resurrected to the Father's right hand. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And God said, meet me in the winner's circle. You are my champion. When you ran Jesus, the earth moved underneath your feet when you moved at calvary mere portals and demons moved aside when you gave your blood the earth shook the veil was rent. come and i will put a crown upon your head you are king of kings and lord of lords i'm done preaching give him one more praise come on give him one more praise worship team if you come come on give him one more praise So just take a couple of minutes. Give him one more praise. You're facing something impossible this morning. The Lord wants to encourage you. Maybe you're walking and not fainting. And some of us just want to stand behind you and encourage you. If that's you this morning, come and stand to my left hand right now. Would you give them a hand as they're coming? Would you give them a hand as they're coming? You say, Pastor Rhonda, I'm facing something that's impossible. I feel like I'm just kind of fainting. That's you. Come on. We love you. We're not going to embarrass you. Come on. Come on. Give them another hand as they come. Come on. Would prayer people go ahead and start getting behind these and those that come, get behind them. Just get ready to pray. Build a wall of victory.